Hello, I'm John J. Thompson, and it seems you have fallen way down the True Tunes rabbit hole. Maybe you've come to the podcast recently and are just working your way back to our first few shows, or who knows, maybe someone sent you a direct link to one of these early outings. All I can say is welcome, thanks for stopping by, Bruce and I are glad you're here, but have some mercy on us please. I'll be honest, when Bruce and I went back and listened to these early episodes, well, let's just say it clearly took us a handful of shows for us to get our feet under us. We knew what we wanted to do, but the way to get there took some tweaking. But the interviews are still valuable, and it's probably worthwhile to have these available as documents of our evolution, so we've trimmed them up a bit, tried to keep them timely, and inserted these little disclaimer introductions to each one. You might still hear a few dated references, some wonky edits, and some rough fades, so have some mercy on us as you dig these earliest episodes out of cold storage and enjoy. Thanks for listening. Oh, and if somehow this is your first exposure to our show, please check out any of our more recent episodes for a more accurate representation. Okay, Bruce, roll it. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the True Tunes podcast. We're breaking format for a couple of reasons here today. First, it's Phil Keggy's birthday, and boy, if we don't love us some Phil Keggy. We're also marking another very significant date in his life, which I'll get to in a minute. Plus, I think we could all use some more fun and inspiring stuff to listen to right now. You've heard a special instrumental mix of a new version of his song, Full Circle, as our theme song since the beginning of the show. That's one that he originally released on his 1981 album, Town to Town, but completely revamped with Rex Paul for their fantastic 2019 rock project, Illumination. We've used a lot of Phil's music on the podcast, actually, with his gracious permission, of course, but you only got to hear a fraction of our full conversation last year. Today, we changed that. You probably know all about Phil by now, but just in case, I'll give you a few of the highlights. Phil Keggy was born on March 23, 1951, and raised, along with nine brothers and sisters, in Hubbard, Ohio. As a teenager, he played with a couple of different Ohio bands, including one that counted Joe Walsh as a member, and was a founding member of the psychedelic power rock trio Glass Harp, who scored a record deal with Decca Records and made a serious name for themselves among the Midwest rock elite in the late 60s and early 70s. They shared stages with Yes, The Kinks, Grand Funk, Chicago, and others. Rumors have long spread that Hendrix, or maybe Clapton, once referred to Phil as the greatest guitarist alive. Those legends are just that. I talked to Phil about it when he was the cover feature on True Tunes News back in 1993. But all it takes is an actual experience in the presence of this man and his guitar, and the legends become believable. Besides it being Phil's birthday, we've just passed another milestone in our community. Keki came to faith 50 years ago last month. He and I were together a couple of weeks ago at a concert here in Nashville that he headlined and I hosted. Audrey Assad was on stage singing a haunting version of Bridge Over Troubled Water, and Phil and I were watching from the wings. He grabbed my arm and pulled me back to the green room to tell me that almost exactly 50 years earlier, when that song was first on the radio, he had just come to faith. His mother had just been killed in a tragic car accident on Valentine's Day, 1970. In the aftermath, one of his sisters had led him to a personal faith in Jesus. His eyes moistened as he recalled the story that the next morning, when his alarm clock, which was set to a local radio station, woke him, it happened to be playing Bridge Over Troubled Water. It was the first time he had ever heard the song. 
He said it felt like a message from Jesus, and he just wept. He said he wept every time he heard that song for months, which was a lot, he reminded me. It was a huge hit. We scooted back out to watch the rest of Audrey's performance, and I was thinking, 50 years of music and ministry from this amazing man. Such a blessing. So today, I want to offer you all the rest of the interview I did with Phil and Rex last year, all about that Illumination project and more. So here you go, me hanging out with Phil Keggy and Rex Paul in Phil's home studio last year. Enjoy. My red one? We are rolling here. And here is our cue. That was very impressive. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I'm John J. Thompson. Oh, hold on. There it is. Okay, that's your. Do you need another clap? Again. Clap again. Okay. okay. Hi, this is John J. Thompson, and we are in. Bill Keggy's studio, where so much amazing music has been made. It's such an honor to be here with you. Thank you for having us here. Thanks, John. And, Good to uh, have you with, here. With Rex as well, talking about this record, Illumination. Uh, <laughs> had a really funny exchange when Phil sent me the files the other day. I don't know if he told you. Um, of course, every time Phil sends me music, I stop what I'm doing and I listen. Yeah. Sometimes I'm smart enough to pull the car over and, and just listen. Yeah, right. uh, and in this case, I was at my office, so I had my really good speakers. Sometimes you're running mm -hmm. or whatever and you listen. But I have my really good vintage speakers and my nice, discreet amplifier. So it was one of those kinds of moments. Awesome. Uh, yeah, great. Yeah. And Phil, you just done this instrumental record with Jeff Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, you did a, a, a pop record a couple years ago. And then this comes out and, and you kind of teased me with a clip last year that was instrumental and I misunderstood what this record was mm -hmm. gonna be. Mm -hmm. I thought this was an instrumental rock mm -hmm. record. And what comes out of the speakers is this blend of what I would call late yes meets uh, 80s classic rock, pristinely produced, mm -hmm. double guitar assault, mm -hmm. hooky, melodic. Cool. Meets. What the heck? And I just cleared my schedule for the next <laughs> two hours and, and, oh, and sat there and listened to song after song of thoughtfully, meticulously produced rock glory. And, and so I would, I just, I'm thrilled to sit here and get to talk to you guys about this record because, awesome. you know, we're in an era when music has become uh, devalued. Yeah. We know that. Mm -hmm. um, and yet you're treating music in a way that is honoring. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it's not something that a lot of young people, it's not a kind of music. You're not trying to do something here that is super contemporary right now. It's not particularly uh, hip uh, to what's mm -hmm. on the radio yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got a lot to talk about. Okay. Uh, yeah. and, and this is going to be fun. Okay. So let's start first. Uh, I'm going to assume that most people listening to this probably are more familiar with sure. Phil Keggy mm -hmm. than with you, Rex. Yeah. So first, 
What gives you the audacity to think that you can make a record with the legendary <laughs> Phil Keggy? Who, right. who are you? Tell us a little bit about your story and, uh, and yeah. where you come from and your background as a musician. Yeah. Let's start I, there. I, I definitely am the blind date, right? So, uh, <laughs> right. I come from Austin, Texas. Um, grew up, uh, you know, doing that type of music uh, there. Um, uh, grew up that area looking at Phil, I mean, sorry, at Eric Johnson. Uh, you know, uh, at that time, of course, Steve Ray Vaughn was big, and so the Austin music scene was where I come from. Uh, flash forward, moved to Nashville, do contemporary Christian music, get signed at Sony, uh, kind of as a pop band, do that for two Hold on years. A okay. So I'm going to slow you down a little right. bit. Right. Stevie Ray Vaughan, Eric Johnson, right. Austin, rock and roll, CCM music. Yep. So what happens what? is I was that in Austin, and me... a connection with a band that. Uh, that was looking for a guitar player, producer, songwriter guy. Um, and I auditioned for that mm -hmm. and we, we toured for about a year, but actually uh, it was, uh, we moved to Nashville. The lead singer also moved to Nashville from another town. We met, teamed together, uh, and we worked with those guys. Had a, had a publishing deal that was connected to Sony Music at the time. Okay. We did a project, but then we both felt like, or I felt like I wanted to go back home to Texas and just do music in Texas. But as it turned out, the, the head of Sony Music at the time, Sony Publishing at the time, a guy named Paul Worley, uh, Paul. called us up and said, guys, no, you know, if, you know, wh what are you doing? You're, you know, and we didn't know that we had a, uh, weird turn of events, but as it turned out, we ended up staying at Sony, 1990 to 92, doing a progressive rock project that at the time, Paul was getting pop and rock going from Nashville. Um, we were kind of in the same class as Ben Folds, uh, Human Radio, Semantics, uh, that those guys. Uh, uh, and so, um, but then that experiment kind of fell through for us anyway. And so from 92, 93 on, I was in town doing sessions, producing, songwriting, as an artist as well. Um, so 2000, I do a Christian project. Um, I was also in country and pop and gosh, worked with, I did 4,000 demos at Sony as a, as a producer, engineer, songwriter, engineer, guitar player, musician, where we would had a MIDI studio that kind of was uh, where I did my- All in Austin. All, no, this is in Nashville. This, this is, is Nashville. now in Nashville. Yeah, this is all Nashville. So 89 is when we okay. moved to Nashville. I just came from Austin. So still have those contacts. So, 2000, I do, eventually I do a record that, on True Tunes. Uh, That's right. The, the story there, and Dave Bunker signs me there. Uh, do, you know, various things, get some publishing, some song cuts, but come about 2005, I was doing a record of my own, and serendipitously, um, Dan Huff, I'd, I was working a little bit with Dan Huff, and Dan, we were in the studio one day, and Dan says, uh, hey Rex, let me play on your record. And so what do you say? Okay, you know. And because uh, he knew I was cutting a record and that night there was a party and Phil and Bernadette were there So that same night I walk in and I tell Phil my story and Phil says hey Well, I'd like to play on your record too. So within one day I had Dan Huff and, and Phil Keggy and Phil and I had met previously But we hadn't really worked together and then that next day I, I had met Eric Johnson called Eric Johnson it Turned out he would agree too. So Hero Shuffle was a record that had me and Phil and Eric trading solos on an instrumental that people don't know exists, right, even to this day, it's an instrumental mm -hmm. that Dan Huff was on there and then Phil played there. And then Phil and I started, you know, obviously 
working together and, and doing some overdubs and trading. And so that's where the relationship kind of grew. Um, I've done, uh, as a guitar player on the road for various people, one spots, you know, did tour with Stephen Curtis Chapman and Kenny Marks and, uh, you know, did some CCM things uh, with the Christian Music Award week that happens in Nashville and some of that stuff. And, and a couple then, years back we did uh, a couple band dates too. That's right. With, uh, with uh, West King. That day at Christ, uh, Christ Community, we had the Guitar Heroes. It was oh, me, you that was way long time. Oh, okay. I was thinking about for the All at Once. We did a lot of the songs from the All at Once album. Oh, no, Up in yeah. Illinois and New Jersey. Yeah. And Mike Pacelli played guitar and bass, too. And you played guitar and bass. And right, which is recent now. <clears throat> but the, you know, the, the records that I was talking about before was, you know, where he, where he played, and then there was a couple I did. And then this, when Phil did All at Once record, uh, we had already kind of overdubbed and shared guitars, him more with me because I was wanting him to play on my projects. And, and uh, I wrote a song with Phil on, on his All At Once record and then once that record came out we decided to tour. Um, we kind of started putting musicians together and so we, put, we did some live shows. We could only get two dates booked as a band. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so wow. that was our tour. <laughs> yeah. It's still pending. But I think the, the moral to that story is that it might seem to folks that this is a brand new partnership, mm -hmm. but in fact, the seeds of this collaboration actually go back quite a ways. They do. This is an organic mm -hmm. thing that has been brewing, and this is what happens when you're in community with people, and, and mm -hmm. these sure. vines, these tendrils are sure, kind of growing. Sure. Yeah, and plus it comes out of fellowship, you know, yeah. we really like to encourage each other in our, our our walks with the Lord and and our, our families and um, uh, you know meetings for uh, green curry for lunch where there's some good conversation yeah. and music comes out of that you know and and so I think it was uh, the story with this new album started right. if I can jump to it yes. uh, a tune called I believe which I actually wrote in uh, 1971 but I'd forgotten the, the verses. I had the chorus and I had the chords for the verses, but I couldn't remember what the verses were and I never really recorded it. In interestingly enough, and I'm going to look for this, you have to hear this. Uh, this is what kicked it off. I played this chorus that came from a reel-to-reel -reel tape that actually had gotten twisted and went reversed at the end and it was only a, about a 20 minute, uh, second snippet. Yeah. I said, listen to this, what do you think of this? And, and he took it so worked out the chords. He took it home and he presented uh, me with this beautiful track that I just loved singing to. And we wrote the lyrics together right down here. Yeah. But the same simple chorus is the one I had from 48 years ago. Wow. When I was touring with Glass Harp out in the West Coast, that's when I... It's a really interesting story because I wrote it on this new guitar that was just given to me by a guy named Don, uh, Don Absher, who is a, he's a pastor in Southern California. Uh, I led Don to the Lord at this venue called, uh, I think it was called The Earth. And uh, and Beautiful Day was playing, Glass Harp opened up for Beautiful Day. And while they were playing, I was up in the green room sharing my story, how Jesus came into my life. And uh, I, I just told him what happened, you know. And he, he all of a sudden started weeping and he, and he opened his heart right there to Jesus. Um, a month later, he comes up to Newport Beach because we're on tour for a month out there. 
and he brings the, this Mark Evan White book guitar and he gives it to me as a gift. And I used it. Remember the flip side? Yeah. That acoustic on there? Yeah. It's that guitar. Uh, Mark Evan White book has that guitar today, which I'm glad the, the creator of the instrument has his guitar back. And, uh, and that's another interesting story. But um, so the song, I believe, is what really launched it. When, then uh, Rex would come by with some new tunes that he's working on, had pretty much the arrangements all finished, but we worked on the lyrics together. And I come up with maybe a melody for the for the verses in the chorus or something. Usually the verses, because yeah. you usually had it all worked out for the for the yeah for the chorus. Although you we, you know you would tweak and, and massage mm -hmm. and make sure that it fits in you know the flow of what we were yeah. doing. You know that was the beautiful I, part of it. So. I stood right there and uh, mm -hmm. I did all my vocals here. He did all his vocals in his studio, mm -hmm. and um, that's where it started. And he played the drums, the keys, the guitars, uh, bass. Harmonies, mixing, fantastic producer. When you started out, mm -hmm. did you have a vision for the, the stylistic scope that you were going to cover, or did you just kind of go where the stream yeah. took you? I know, you know, <clears throat> Phil, from his experience, kind of has a progression, but generally, we wrote a song together on the All At Once record, a song called I Love The Way You Love Me, and... As a producer at Sony, I've found ways to work with new writers, you know, like finding the strengths and getting traction. So Phil and I came in here, I said, hey, Phil, let's do something. And so I found a way that really triggered a really immediate uh, reaction and, and return. So I uh, got him to sing what the first thing that comes out of his heart and mind over some chords that we came up with that we created. And it happened so fast, came at home. Then we did the lyrics over the phone. The next day he had the vocal done. The next day it was done, it was <clears> mixed. <throat> and it was this energy and it was a, it, the music was good. So that was that record that we knew, oh, we, 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 can, we had a good time working together. So after that record came out and you know we, we spent some time visiting, like I said, it's more of a mentorship sharing, you know, kind of a, a brotherhood a journey that's been so rich. That's been the, the most beautiful thing about this whole experience. But um, when we started talking about, you know, Phil said, hey, let's, let's do a project. And it was maybe it'll be a Phil Kage record that I would help him produce. And then as we started to talk about ideas, and then this song was birthed, the very first one he talked about playing this 1971 track that just, you know, my jets were lit when he played that. He goes, what do you think about that? Can you do anything? I said, oh, my. Because I'm a Jesus movement right. child. You know, that's where I'm gave my life to the mm -hmm. Lord, was in the Jesus movement, listened to, to Love Broke Through and, you know. Right. So um, uh, so we started there and then we would come over here and song ideas and ride and maybe some internet or some, you know, some tracks back and forth or we'd usually meet over here and finish songs. And it was one of those things, it just got better every time we got together. Wow. We, you know, and we would have our, our notebooks of writing lyrics and we would come together and so, um, for me as a producer, just a, an idealized way of saying, man, I'd love this to sound like all my heroes. Yes, mm -hmm. Trevor Rabin, Tears for Fears, you know, all these things that, and, and so that's between Phil and I, it just kept getting better and better. And by the time we knew it, we had 11 songs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So. And uh, we co-wrote a number of the songs together mm -hmm. and Brian Clark and I wrote one song. And he wrote one song with Tom Douglas, mm -hmm. which was a fantastic tune. And uh, but this is that that lost chorus. Let me see if I can play it for you. Oh, oh yeah. you have it. I believe, yes, I 
because the tape was yeah. got warped or something. And um, but that was it, you know. And I was 20 years old there, and I was on tour, and I was probably thrashed. You know, right. my voice was thrashed. But I put that idea down somewhere, uh, you know, on a cassette recorder, I think. So there it was, and then it turned into a really good sounding song. You know, it sounded really fresh. And it's all about the, we ended up writing the lyrics about, uh, I believe, about the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. When it all really began, the spirit fell by his command. And, yeah. You know, his name is love, his word is true, living hope, you know, because of you. And, you know, it's very, uh, it's just a proclamation. It's a proclamation song that has a little bit of glass harp sound to it. Yeah, you yeah. know, a little bit of bad finger. Oh was, yeah, we're I talking about the bad finger in yeah, there too. You know. And it even, if I'm remembering correctly, the guitar tones you dialed in on that even have a retro, like they sound like some of the tones that you can hear when you listen to the records from back then. They, yeah. It's like you switched off the, the 80s, 90s kind of modern uh, thing and went with this vintage kind of tone well, for that. an old Vox amp and that yeah. Les Paul from 1971. <laughs> that guy. Wow, this guy. Yeah. Weighs 20 pounds, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's that's how it started. And um, But I, I'd just be amazed when he would come back. He said, hey, listen to this track. And I go, whoa. And then uh, the suggestion was made to maybe maybe one of the old songs or two of the old songs. Yes, yes. So yeah. we first thought of Time, Full Circle. Mm -hmm. I think Full Circle was the one we dove into first. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, that came out really, really good because it's, everything's yeah. there. Right. We just you know translated it to, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to go 9125 you know that's, that's what i said or you know even right. whatever trevor rabin would right. kind of suggest i kind of went uh -huh. with that and then i you know i'm my guitar style has so many other like dan huff is a big influence mm -hmm. to me too so mm -hmm. i think that's probably the most identifiable even tone wise you know from on this record too but even eric johnson and stuff i've done with him you hear um, the swoop the sweep when you come in and you can tell the conversation that's going on mm -hmm. between the two guitars. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't ever sound like some sort of competition or mm -mm. throwdown. It's a conversation that's going on. It's, I'm it's glad you picked nice. that up that because is, yeah. that is, that's a good way. Of, that's how yeah. I feel when I hear it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like... Uh, not that you would want to get into a competition. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, you do have stuff I can't do. And, right. You know, we, we have something that right. is unique to each of us. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. pretty cool. Because it would just, uh, so many guitar shredding, it's even going back into the, um, the, the, the late 80s records, there were a few artists who'd made these great yeah. instrumental records. Um, flexible, you know, yeah. those, those records that were really innovative. They were almost like jazz kind of records. Right. But then there were so many that were just like so indulgent. It was, yeah. it was just wanky kind of yeah. noodly stuff and showing off. Yeah, it lost the plot of there being a song there. Mm -hmm. This, what I love is everybody that kind of has been hungry for to just get off the chain and go for it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a good way to put but it, But yeah. maybe the phantasmagorical kind of experimentation things you've done are a little out there. Mm -hmm. like, Definitely. Where can we thread that needle between a song-based thing that still has the pyrotechnics? Yeah. And you guys have just dialed that sucker in. Mm -hmm. but, but tell me, there's something different about there being another person to play it mm -hmm. with, like the collaborative thing. 
than yeah. just you being down here by yourself making music. It seems exactly. like this collaboration thing is sparking you. It, it's a strengthening thing. Uh, I, mm. think, it, I think it's like, uh, you know, John and Paul, you know. The apostles. Hey, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Uh, don't forget, you know, St. George and St. Ringo. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's like I prefer those songs that they, you know, at least appear to have written together. Right. There was an energy, you know. Even there. when they weren't in the room, they were competing with each other to a way. There was still a conversation going on. Exactly. They knew they were going to have to take that song to that person and they were going right. to have a critic. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like a, a runner's race. You know, what do you got? The guy out there, I'm going to... I'll be out there to spar you on, sure. yeah. you know that kind of thing, yeah. and um, that's 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 healthy. Uh, there, there was never like uh, I'm bummed because you sound better than me, you know. Or oh yeah, right. none of that ever ever took place. Yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of like I get tickled when I hear the the guitar conversation that's taken place. But I also love it when I hear his voice, you know, him singing the lead, you know, to uh, calling us home, uh, mm -hmm. the bus song. And, uh, song, yeah. and, and some other places. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you know the choruses of uh, of uh, "Don't Hold Back" and uh, nothing could separate nothing us. Can separate us. Yeah. When you come in yeah. on the little accents, even on time, like the little. Uh huh. Uh, That'll little, be it. Yeah, that'll be it. Those little. Oh, those yeah, little, the talk yeah, box right, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know, headphone. It's a good headphones album, yeah, right. mm -hmm. and, and plus the kick and the bass really sound good it's punchy mm -hmm. tight um the mastering went beautiful oh, yeah, uh vinnie ellibrandi mastered oh, it did. yeah, yeah he's excellent he is brilliant yeah yeah he's yeah. It's amazing but you know you know he he took these tracks and we, we conversed about levels and got all that right and and uh, we both have bat ears you know in a way so i think that's cool what yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> but i mean obviously you know i have just enjoyed really a mentorship you know with Phil and 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 the richness what he does is is the things that comes out of his brain the first thing either playing or singing is is the magic so and I don't have that I don't have that ability to do that I have to work on what I do so when we would get together he would he would tell me I know for instance on one particular solo that well a song one of his songs he said Rex he goes do a solo here but slow down speak lyrically you know play lyrically and so I would take that and then we would combine mm -hmm. and all the time the notes of really you know I'm leaning on him because the experience in him as a player so and gladly doing that you know the fact that he uh, mm -hmm. uh, really encouraged me to, and when then he treated me like a like a like an equal which which to me, I was like, you know, I'm at my Chris Farley moment, you know, like that was right. awesome, you know. Right. But that's what was so exciting about this is is his maturity to actually bring me in and let me do that actually helped me, you know, spur me on, gave me energy to to step out and then, you know, um, um, his he's you know he is multi instrumentalist as well. He's a producer as well, so he brings that other skill set and he can listen to what I brought mm -hmm. and really be able to speak into all of those you know mix elements, tone elements, you know drum mm -hmm. elements, all of those things. So it was really this beautiful um, synchronicity of, of of collaboration that was you know now I'm spoiled. <laughs> you uh -huh. So you know there there's a um, a. A number of songs I really like hearing. I especially enjoy the new stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. The old stuff has got a, have they have new legs. They mm -hmm. really do. Uh, Let everything else go. Spend my life with you. 
the harmonies that you yeah. put in on that, mm. and uh, time in full circle. But there's a, there's a song on there, the last tune called "Day of the Lord," um, so that was supposed to be. I wanted that to be on my last album all at once, and it mm. just didn't work out in in the session w when we were tracking it. So kind of kept it, you know, on the back burner, and I gave my guitar and vocal tracks to Rex, and when he brought it back to me, it's like whoa. It's exactly how I hoped it would sound. Wow. And it turned out really good. What about it? Talk about just that transformation. Like what happened? What wasn't working? And then how did it transform? Okay. Um, I, I was working um, with a, a good friend and producer. And he had different ideas for the arrangement because it's it's not ordered. It's It comes up, these surprises, these turns take place which is how it happened when, when I wrote it with Brian Clark. Um, and uh, I thought, well, if we're not feeling it the way I feel it, let's just put it aside. And then other songs came came about, you know. Mm -hmm. Then I wrote a song with Ashley Cleveland and uh, Nathan Chapman and uh, our song, mm -hmm. I Love the Way You Love Me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just put it on the back burner. But I always thought maybe, you know, when I gave it to you, I said, listen to this, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, he had that look in his eye, yeah. and uh, and he said, "I think I could do something with this." And then when he brought it over to me, I go, "Oh boy, this is fun," because it's exactly uh, my vocal from the, what would be the demo. Yeah, I never even had to re-sing it, mm -hmm. and all the guitar. This was this was the demo, and he, and, but he brought those tracks which were recorded in good fidelity. He just brought them up with his other instruments that he added to it, the foundation mm -hmm. of, uh, of the song itself. So uh, I was pretty pleased, and it's actually going to be on the vinyl LP. Yes. Only eight of the 11 are going to be on the vinyl oh. because of time. Yeah, that's the one thing that I didn't foresee is we have 46 minutes of music, but you can only do 18 minutes aside on vinyl. If it's rock and yeah, if it's right, if it's high yeah, res, you know, if it's high spoken word, vinyl that people are actually going to play. And the needle will yeah. stay on the record, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, yeah. If if it's mm -hmm. classical and soft, you could get yeah, away with squeeze it. Yeah. Twenty-two minutes, I guess. Yeah. You know, I'm not an expert, but yeah. so we took three off, and uh, so it'll be fun. I'm glad. I'm, I'm looking forward to spinning it on the turntable. Yeah. Don't go away. The True Tunes podcast will be back shortly. We're back with the True Tunes podcast. Which is the one that is just goes into a blistering jam and then fades out? Is that time? Or time. So, yeah. How far does that jam go back past the fade out? <laughs> actually, actually, you know, <laughs> that's the stuff that as a kid I was like, I want the keep it going, keep it going. And I was Your thinking candy, that that's yeah. the kind of thing like you might use like maybe there's a remix someday where you you just go back and fade that back up and let us hear I, what was happening actually no what happened in 1976 when buck Herring produced my love broke through album your love broke through album uh time <laughs> you know it was leland sklar uh, oh, um come on <laughs> uh, uh, larry nectal mm -hmm. and jim gordon on drums you know larry nectal and keys and the four of us were jamming at in the in the tracking of uh, of time, it went on into the shuffle. Mm. We just kept playing, but but the two inch tape ran out, and that's why Buck did a quick fade. Right. It was like an AM fade, as they call it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in this case, we kept it. It's actually shorter, mm -hmm. you know, than yeah. I think it was on the Love Back Through yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And 
it, it, we just, you know, tucked it in. Every solo says something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even, you know, I wanted to put the name of Jesus in, in the song. So, yeah. but Dude, here's good news. I changed the lyric instead of going, you know, it's too late for you. I'm not, I'm not the person that has the right to say it to anyone. It's too late for you. Hallelujah. Amen. And and the thing is, let's emphasize and ex- accentuate the good news of the gospel, which yeah. is, and here's good news: Jesus died for you. He died to set you free. And I go, that says it. Yeah. You know. And uh, and I'm not ashamed of that wonderful name. It's precious. Right. That's right. And uh, so the album, we're not trying to be uh, sneaky. It's all the all the. The messages of the songs uh, pertain to our, our Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. But there's no there's no 20 more minutes of jamming that. Oh, well, back to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that particular song, uh, like you, the original, where it started to fade off. You know, when it gets to that shuffle, I'm like going, no, 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 <laughs> don't let it stop. You know, and and those are the solos where you know the things, and then he comes back and tells me the story of like, oh yeah, that was a that was the one. So solo. you're just keeping it. So I was like, I want that energy. So what we did was he had another arrangement of time because there's been a couple of, you know, versions of that. And I didn't want to, uh, there's no way you can recapture the energy of that original on Love Broke Through. So, uh, so, uh, (laughs) so to keep that spirit, we just kept that arrangement and it was very much kind of like an arrangement that he had created or whatever. But then at that, at the end of that too, that's the beautiful thing about digital technology now. We can go back and add five minutes and still keep it, you know. But yeah, you but sure it, could. it's just authentic. It's and just let's do it sometime. Yeah, let's just do it like a go go for it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and just play, you know. That's what I did with uh, the guys on the Bucket List album. Which oh is yeah, Tony right. Levin and Jerry Murata. Right. We we we, uh, we we jammed and played and played, and then I, I I took those tracks and I did the editing. I did what he did, you know. <laughs> I was kind of producing it. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an enjoyable album to listen to. It's kind of it's kind of out there and quirky, um, but the songs came off great live. Yeah, you know. But this this album is for people you know who are uh, song lovers. You know, mm-hmm. people that love songs. Right. And your comments about how it affected you uh, is really satisfying to hear. Absolutely. And yeah. So, thanks. And you, you kind of jumped ahead on that that lyric changed things. So I want to go ahead and touch on that real yes. quick. Because yes. um, I was going to get to that later. But let's go ahead and just make sure we cover that. You changed the lyric on yes. time a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. You've already you've already explained uh, that change. Mm-hmm. Um, when you wrote the original lyric, was there a conscious choice behind the lyric that you put there to leave something out? Or was it just a jam and you, that mm-hmm. was just what came out and you just that's where it was? Or? No, I kind of methodically wrote the lyrics to it based upon a devotional I had looked at, you know, which was about time right. a, as a, an entity, a person. When the Father time. Or, you know, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And when the Lord stops, stops him, you know, that'll be it. Too late for this, too late for that, too late, too late, too late. And then, uh, I gotta be honest with you, a fellow 25 years ago, something like that, a quarter of a century ago, came up mm-hmm. to me and says, do you actually really believe what you're singing in that song, Time. And I, I, I began to really consider. And then I and I thought, hmm. And as I studied scripture, I realized that God is for us, not against us. And uh, it's the joy in the business of heaven to save. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even when we were sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, 
All the times St. Paul talks about in the epistles, you know, uh, through Adam came death to all and through Christ comes everlasting life to all. And so I, f I think that our God is a real optimist and, uh, and he's optimistic about those who he's created in his own image. Mm -hmm. So I've, the last good half of my life, I embrace the good news uh, as really uh, open and uh, inclusive, you know. Uh, every single soul that God has created uh, is important to him. And that's, and he proved it. You know, yeah. that's, what the, that's what the whole incarnation is about. God emptying himself and becoming one of us, like Philippians 2 talks about. So, um, I just love it. You know, when I sing Time Now, I, 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 I put the, the wonderful name of Jesus in it, and, uh, and I'm not ashamed. Uh, and I believe that He is the Savior of all. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's, yeah. I think most of us can go back and look at, if most of us went back and heard any of the things we said, when we were 20, mm -hmm. 21 years old, yeah. we'd find plenty of things to well, edit. Yeah. We just don't get the opportunity yeah. to. <laughs> There's yeah. a certain zealousness that you have to allow because you're growing yeah. and you're learning. But I think John Piper said it best. He said that when we present the gospel, which Phil and I both knew when this album was forming, it just was naturally about the flow and condition of our love of Jesus in our heart. And that's what we knew the content was going to be about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But John Piper says that we must lead with the comfort of Christ first. Um, you know, th th there's there's definitely a choice in a, in a, in a, in a judgment, mm -hmm. but that's God's judgment. Jesus even told us, you guys don't judge. This this is the purvey of God. So our job is to present the gospel, and we know that indeed in Scripture, no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So until the Spirit does the heart work, so we can't convince somebody. We can't shame somebody. We can't even... You know, draw this this picture that's going to convince anybody to make a choice unless the Spirit of God. So really, our job, bring them to Jesus. Talk about the saving grace and mercy of Jesus because the other part is is Christ. And you know, I think that uh, the the least will be first, and the and you know the last will be first. And you know, I think that we will be surprised. But our agency, like John Popper says, first present the comfort of Christ, obviously. And if you lead with that, really. A person won't even know his, let's talk about lostness, like, okay, he won't even know where he is until the Spirit of God brings him to life to where it's like, um, Augustine said this, he said, when you cry out, God, number one, your heart is, 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 is crying out to God, so you're convinced there's somebody to cry to, mm -hmm. and number two, you see your need. So in that cry is all of faith. And all I need to do is, is show the beauty of Jesus to, to bring that person. So really, that's the freedom that I think that, that we should be about as believers. We try to be judge, jury, and Pharisee. And Jesus said, be light. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's, I think that's where we Salt and light. Yeah. yeah uh, salt and light. You know, lift up the good news and tell people that Jesus loves them. Yes. You know, so. He'll save Before them. the Bible tells us. So. Yeah. You know, simple. as simple as that. Yeah. Simple. He'll save them. Yeah. We'll make it a lot more complicated yeah. than it needs to be. Yeah. Um, so, having a producer, Phil, that's <laughs> um, pushing you, uh, is it my imagination, or did this, when you were singing these songs, was he actually in the room kind oh, of yeah, saying? Oh, he's producing. Okay. The only song I think I sang without him being here was Spend My Life With You. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Because it feels like there's a a, a different yeah. intensity to the vocals. Yeah, um, yeah. There was more control. Yeah. A little less. Your voice has sounded great. I mean, it's, yeah, you've not I, lost any that I can right. hear any of your range, yeah. any of your control. But there's just an intensity and a intentionality and a, a focus to the vocals that feels absolutely on point. Um, what was what was going on in your mind, your heart, your what was happening with the, the songs? What what mm -hmm. was that spark that yeah. that comes across so clearly as we're hearing you? Well, I was. Rex was sitting here, and I was standing there. So first of all, posture was a, mm -hmm. a factor. <laughs> well, there have been a lot of recordings I've done down here where I'm just sitting in a chair in front of a microphone, and uh, there, there was, you know, I was singing with my whole diaphragm you know my I was putting everything into it taking good deep breaths and uh, you know having a good time doing it and he would record maybe five six passes and, uh, and then he took all those tracks home and he just found the best mm -hmm. performances you know um, which is okay you know um, I trusted his ears and when it came back I go wow I didn't think I sang that well. <laughs> well, and that was a trust factor. He actually trusted. I mean, when you can have a different set of ears, and so you don't have to be the engineer, right. and and you can mm -hmm. he can be free. So so for number one, and then his trust of me when I would say no vibrato here, just let mm -hmm. this sing loud longer, and as guys that do our own production work when you can actually take off that hat right. and free yourself up then you mm -hmm. and then trust that person that's mm -hmm. that's the second set of ears mm -hmm. then you can get so much more out of that and then when you're free you get five passes of this really great version mm -hmm. and you need to pick the best one that was one thing and then the second thing is is i think phil actually pegged it when he said the 25 year old phil keggy showed up i mean there was something about what happened in this experience to where it's like going and yeah, he still has all those. That's what I mean. I hear that 25-year-old every time I hear him sing. It's do you like think going, that somehow having those older songs in the mix chemically kind of brought a little of that sure. DNA back? It, it did. Sure. That's what. It, that's it what did. I wondered. Is sure. it's like when I see him on the track list, it's like, oh, we're going back to the old songs. <laughs> but then when you hear him, you go, oh, they're, wow. they're, these aren't the, the old songs. Yeah. And then when uh -huh. I hear the way your voice sounded, it felt almost like mixing a little of that in right. with made, age there is i can hear the, the, the you, new stuff sound that sure. young again yeah i mean i i, I hear the 67 year old <laughs> that was singing these parts i i hear that but i also hear the youthful side of me too coming out and um you know and, and uh it's hard to say how many more years i can do this but i'm gonna just trust um, and and enjoy and um, be available to be who I'm created to be and uh, until I can. Uh, my wife and I had a really good healthy conversation about that very thing mm -hmm. the other night and uh, she said, you know, it's really uh, the Lord called you to do what you did years and years ago and I think you need to just seek His voice as to when that may come to an end. Uh, so you can go on to do other things that you'd like to do, perhaps produce, mentor, you know, uh, work with others, you know, collaborations, and, and not travel, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, after that conversation and 
me getting on my knees, literally, before the Lord. And the next time I played was at the Cove uh, in Ash Asheville, North Carolina. And I felt like I was 25. I felt mm. half my age that mm. night because I was free. And you know, as, as it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty mm. to be ourselves. Mm. Liberty to accept ourselves with our limitations mm -hmm. uh, at our age and the things that start to go wrong, a little bit more difficult. But I forgot about all the difficulties and, and the limitations. I was just free and enjoying that audience and being blessed by how they ministered to me. And uh, and I, I, I chose the songs out of the hat and <laughs> I took a lot of requests. I did songs I hadn't done wow. in quite a while, like Our Lives. And, You're brave, man. I mean, yeah. You are. I, a... I went up to my room and I and I, I went over these songs, you know, and I ended with Little Ones. Mm. And wow. and uh, it, it, it moved a lot of people. Mm. So, um, so I'm just grateful. This album is like, it's, it's like a postcard. It's like a, a greeting to our friends. Mm. Hey, we're still here. <laughs> you know, I, I got a, a young shipmate who's uh, able to navigate in the rough waters, you know, and uh, steer us in a, in a really fun and new direction for you. Mm. It's actually for us too. Oh, yeah. But, but I, I really wanted to see this album be a blessing to a lot of people who say, man, I, I would just like to hear Phil rock again. You know, mm -hmm. and so I think it happened. You know, I think you're right. Is there any hope of this having a live iteration? Um, in can you play drums and guitar and bass and everything at the <laughs> same got, time? Believe me, Phil has. I think you have friends on. Yeah, on yeah. on one business card, he's got like probably five versions of those guys that can yeah. play. But but really, in our friendship, in our journey, and in the in our story together. Um, that's one thing that I am learning that I want to let this be, number one, I want to honor what Phil just testimony he just gave, right. is what the Lord has told him, where he wants to go. So I'm going to be completely happy if this is just a, an artifact that remains or if we continue to go on. Uh, I'm just so excited and blessed to do that. You know, everybody that sees Phil play live, there's always, I, every time I've seen him, there's always that, that amazing performance. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to do was capture those, steal those moments like that and put it on a new recording that rocked because I know and the people that have seen Phil go, they know what he can do every time he goes and he pulls this off mm -hmm. and we want to let see, let the world know who he is because the, the world still doesn't know who this guy is. And so That's I think, okay. Well, <laughs> and again, so, so there's the other testimony. It's like, I don't want to be his agent and try to, you know, come yeah. on Phil, I'm going to drag you to, you know. Yeah. So you know, I wanna, I, we also <laughs> talked about this, we're going to, Put this album on tour, yeah, just like the Pepper album, you know. Right. Yeah, that's what they said. That's what I was thinking. Is that you know that was the Beatles' answer to getting off the road was Sgt. Mm -hmm. Pepper. Yeah, that's you right. Know, that was their yeah. tour. Was we'll put this album. And I'm out. content with that because it's like an artist, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, an artist paints a painting that's really unique in itself. Uh, copies can be made. What do they call them? Zouclage. That word. Yeah. That they. It, looks yeah. exactly like the original right. the print yeah, yeah and uh but um but to have that artist go out and every time mm -hmm. replicate you know and, and duplicate that initial thing 
I think let this album go out there, and um, mm-hmm. if people can hear it, you can hear it on Spotify, iTunes now. Yes. Uh, we've got CDs. We have a thousand CDs, and we're going to get a hundred LPs, you know. Mm-hmm. So look out. I better get one of those. No, we've hit the big time. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And, um, and then finally, this, more for towards you, that... This seems to be a, an ongoing theme that takes on different flavors, these collaborations. Uh, and it's been a lot in the last mm-hmm. few years. I well, like collaborating a lot. The, all at once, all almost of, every song is a collaboration with somebody else. Even mm-hmm. though it's called a Phil Keggy album, mm-hmm. it's really a collection of collaborations. Yeah. And then you've got the, the jazz instrumental... With Bucket List. The Bucket List record. The beautiful music of... Jerry Murata and Tony Levin, yeah. And Jeff Johnson. And then the Jeff Johnson. Jeff Johnson, yeah. I I love that. I love that album. Cappadocia. I'm so pleased with Cappadocia. Cappadocia is amazing. And so anybody who hasn't been tracking, it's time to get back on board and realize that you've not ever stopped making music. That's true. Or traveling and performing, but you're making music constantly. Um... Mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is how uh, your underground album came out in 1982? Three. 83? Mm-hmm. That was close. But it was music from recordings I did with a machine I've got in the garage. Exactly. Four track. And that's what I was getting at is that you were doing home recording before almost anybody. You mm-hmm. were you were moving away from only doing studio records and you were starting to say, okay, the songs that don't fit in the big expensive studio records i'm going to still find a way to do these things uh-huh. and and then that mode of you being your own producer you just taking things into your own hands has evolved over the years and here we are in kegworth studios yeah. in your in, in your home and mm-hmm. and you've continued to adjust the technology you know you've got pro tools you've got mm-hmm. adap machines you've got uh, probably tape decks somewhere here. You've got instruments everywhere. You're surrounded by vinyl copies of, of your old records. There's all the different speakers. You've been doing this for 35 years plus. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is now that industry that used to kind of look at that as whatever. That's not real music. That's mm-hmm. basement music. Mm-hmm. Now that's the majority of how music is being made. Exactly. Well put. Well Everybody put. is doing well music put. like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you are the vanguard of that. You're one of the pioneers of that. Yes. And I think that young artists who are... I'm working with college students all the time. Mm-hmm. And this is the only reality they'll ever know. That's right. Is Interesting. Making music at home, right. building small studios, collaborating with people that they right. can find mm-hmm. you know, connections with. Right. So... What kind of advice do you guys have for new artists, new songwriters, people that are coming up that are feeling lost in the shuffle, needles in haystacks, uh, yes. frustrated by the chaos? Right. right now, everybody's putting music out on Spotify. They can't get anybody right. to pay attention. Right. Um, <sighs> what what words of advice or counsel would you have for, for the next generation of people that are coming out uh, yeah. as they're heading, getting just now getting there? Their tricycle on the freeway. Yes. <laughs> Definitely uh, get as much sunshine as you can and uh, enjoy the outdoors, uh, getting to nature. Don't just be a mole in the in, in an underground studio. I mean, I, I, I try to balance out my creative life in the studio mm-hmm. with outdoorsness 
and uh, doing other things and being at the beck and call of my wife and kids if they need me sure. and friends. You know, I, I I think the balance of it all is what's important. Um, I, I I think we have a need to be creative, whether people listen to it or even like it. There's still a need to be creative and to be productive with the gifts that we are given and that we've invested in over all these years. Uh, what I'd say to young people is just do it uh, for the joy of it. You yes. know, uh, don't do it to try to earn status somewhere, um, because uh, it you, you just can't predict what's going to stick to the wall. You know, mm -hmm. as you you know, right. I, I don't know. It's like it's it's hard to to know. Um, I think just be sincere with your music. Be honest with it. Um, have fun with it. Be creative. Uh, collaborate. Um, I think that's been an encouragement to me over the last few years. Yeah. Just the people that say, "Hey, I really uh, I'd love to just write with you," and uh, and it's been it's been good. It's been good. Um, so, yeah. Whatever yeah. else, you I have think to say. I think um, definitely you know the health part of it. But then be honest with yourself and look at your strengths and weaknesses and realize it's ten thousand hours. Pick people that you really respect as instrumentalists and then be, become great. Put the quality into it and realize that it's a growth process. The finish line is way down there. And do your best every time. Listen critically to what you do and get better every time. Try not to get lazy. Try not to build song loops and just put pads. You know, really listen to songwriters. <laughs> listen to crafting. There's plenty of examples. And, you know, the future's in great hands. I've seen so many new, new artists, young artists, that I go, uh, you know, have blown me away with their ability. And then use the technology, YouTube videos of learning how to play guitar solos. Man, if I had YouTube as a guitar player, you see these kids coming out in four years being able to do technical yeah. stuff. But even they, in their soul, they know what a song is, like Phil was mm -hmm. saying. Being a real appreciation of the song, um, you know, Sting and, and, and the people that have all those skills that can write, the Beatles, you know, all of those inspirations. There's a reason why those guys were the were the gatekeepers and were the purveyors of this thing is they wrote great songs. Never stopped writing great songs. And yet at the same time, enjoy the journey. The mm -hmm. joy is in the journey. It's not mm -hmm. in you'll never get to this point to where it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Ever. Oh that's for sure. Ever. But if you can mm -hmm. if you can actually and then let it speak to your heart and and, and make sure that it's excellent too and uh, don't ever let that go but don't let it bind you either don't let it bind you up and keep you from being creative or even expressing yourself just you gotta sometimes you just gotta get naked in front of the camera and go yeah here i am you know let that emotion that's a metaphor out. it is a metaphor yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. he doesn't really mean it like well anything. you know adam and eve were naked and unafraid i mean yeah. there's there's a purity there right. that in our soul that god mm -hmm. wants us to see that hmm. and and learn not to hide behind the things that we try to mask ourselves with yeah and I think that the the social media construct that has evolved around all this with like buttons and yeah. this ch cheap interaction can become so debilitating to people because uh, it's it's a it's a fake, and yes. so young artists can be chasing likes 
and not actually engaging with that's a good point uh, with people and yes. then they get depressed they get discouraged right. their numbers aren't actually there or what have you and they're they're chasing the wrong thing it's vapors yeah. and so they're not creating work that's actually going to sustain anybody yes. let alone themselves or, or and it's not going to create anything of value it's sometimes more uh, it's important not to read the reviews of, yeah. the, of your work right. mm -hmm. uh, I was reading some reviews on the bucket list, and there weren't very many, but there was one, and this guy was saying that his favorite track was Where's Phil, uh, which is the only song I didn't play on. <laughs> and uh, I go, hmm. Then I had to listen to the album again and say, it's really good. It's not bad. <laughs> you know, but you know, everyone's got a different flavor that they prefer in, in their tea. So, and the thing is, we have to do it uh, to, as unto the Lord, and we have to please ourselves musically mm -hmm. because there's just it's too much out there uh, uh, too many uh, the tastes of people are so varied yeah um, it's it's like I say before uh, I've said that it's more enjoyable to be creative rather than analyze the process and what the reaction will be yeah or the response will be I mean just to see the, the, the physical CD of illumination is satisfying to me. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and of course I, I love the label. Yeah, yeah. there's a story behind um, the Strobe label, which is my own little imprint. When I was uh, a 12, 13 year old guitar player, my dad would say, "Hey, Petey, play me some of that Strobe." That's what he called my guitar playing. I'd oh. play a little Melaguena or something, and 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 that kind of stuck. And then when I started, when I was no longer with the the labels. I thought, well, I'll just use that, you know, and and then then Rex came up with the strobe, right? Thing, the strobe tuner, cool. yeah. and it reminds me of the, the turntable which I still have, which was my dad's turntable, yeah. And it had the little the strobe light tuner, mm -hmm. the little light that mm -hmm. would you know you could use to make sure that you were spinning mm -hmm. at exactly the right That's speed. Right. So. Um, and my son, would, my son took the album picture too. Yeah, nice. I like the uh, Close Encounters beam of light yeah. behind you yeah. guys, ready to beam you up. I've been a Photoshop Illustrator uh, guy for a long time, and and you know, obviously as an artist, you have to learn all these skills or whatever. So yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. and 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 Ian, you know, did the light thing, and so I just kind of did the the gradient, and oh, anyway, but I would say, I know uh, I don't want to run too long for your for your video, but. Um, the uh, the social I would say exchange your social interaction with real interaction as a musician mm -hmm. spend less time online and real and more time with a guy in the room with a guitar or whatever and you'll find that, that your mental health and your and your soul health will get better and your music will get better mm, exchange them, exchange yeah. and move away from the digital get to the real so now this record was made possible by backers who mm -hmm. was it Kickstarter was it uh, Patreon or how we, did that work? We did an Indiegogo, okay. and um, we a friend of mine started a company called Jetpack Artist Ventures, and they offer a service to us to where they would kind of drive the whole thing, make videos, and do a campaign. Um, and um, so we did a an eighth week campaign, and we raised the money, and you get various packages. And so I would say I in. I you know, endorse Indiegogo all the way. It's a great way to raise money because if you don't raise your complete amount, you still get to keep that money. And you can keep keep the program going, the campaign going, if you choose to after the fact. So, yeah, Indiegogo is what we use. Great. Well, thanks a lot, guys. This, is, yeah. this has been a, a real treat. Thank you, John. John. Man, Thank thanks you for so your much, support. Man. Yeah. 
And I can't wait to hear whatever the next collab. You don't happen to know what the next thing in the horizon is, or it's just still a secret. No, no secret. Uh, no plans. <laughs> uh, uh, you did talk about cutting. Take me closer. Yeah, I want to just definitely, you know, maybe this whole redoing some Phil songs, and I love the way they materialize. But also, fans, there's a remastered version of Love Broke Through. And mm -hmm. I, as a fan, would love to see that out there. So mm -hmm. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to. That'd to, be nice. Yeah, yeah. So people are asking for it. You can't yeah. find it, you know, right. anywhere. Yeah. 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 I got the A-track. <laughs> if you need source material. That's right. I got the vinyl. I got the vinyl. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. appreciate it. Love you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening, and thanks Phil and Rex. If you haven't heard, Phil has released even more music since then. The man is on a tear. Plus, with the help of good friend Tom Galata, who has done so much work as an archivist and indie label manager for Daniel Amos and others, Phil has released a massive trove of bootlegs and rarities via a new project called Keggy's Garage, which you can find at philkeggy.bandcamp.com. So please head over and buy some of Phil's music today and know that we are not done talking with or about Phil Keggy here at the True Tunes Podcast. Happy birthday, Philly. Thanks to Bruce Brown for his amazing production assistance and to Phil Keggy for being the best guitarist in the world, no matter what Hendrix or Clapton or anybody else did or didn't say. Everything in the True Tunes podcast is protected by U.S. copyright law and is the intellectual property of Gyroscope Productions, with the exception of songs or clips that are from previously copywritten materials. Everything on this episode is used by permission or under fair use provisions. This program is intended for the private use of our listening audience. Gyroscope Productions can be reached at truetunesmusic at gmail.com or P.O. Box 60401, Nashville, Tennessee 37206. I'm John J. Thompson, and we will be back with another full episode of the podcast soon. If you like what you hear, please spread the word, and please subscribe to our email list at truetunes.com. Until next time, please take care of yourself, take care of others. Peace be with you.